Well, hey you, hello there, every person everywhere. Hello, hello, hello everybody. This is Lynn, your host for Every Person Everywhere, and this is stuff that you can relate to, hopefully. So today I wanted to talk about cultural sensitivity and what it means to me and why it's important to me. Um, We recently celebrated Father's Day here in America and Juneteenth as well. So I feel like this is a very relevant episode because there are still a lot of misunderstandings about culture and a lot of it comes from the agoraphobia of being afraid of what you don't understand and um, how important that is in our everyday world and our communication and um, so on and so forth. But before I get into that, a couple of updates. Speaking of communication, I'm actually going to be going on my Clinical Connection podcast that my work has and I am going to be co-starring on the podcast with one of my fellow colleagues, and we are going to be talking about these kinds of issues. We're going to be talking about cultural sensitivity and communication, but specifically, we're going to be talking about how closed-loop communication and how effective communication helps negate and reduce burnout and stress and fatigue and anxiety. These are obviously very near and dear topics to me, as when I apply for my doctoral degree coming up here in a few months, that's exactly what I'm planning to focus on, is exactly that, is looking at cultural connections and effective communication and ways to bridge the gap when ineffective communication happens. So that's a very exciting life update for me. Um... And, yeah, the other update is I'm going to be in Maine, and um, obviously we're going to stop some places on the way to Maine, because there's a lot to see between Pennsylvania and Bar Harbor, so the next leg of travel for this podcast is going to take place on my worldly adventures up to Maine and back. This is a trip that I've wanted to take for as long as I can remember. And I just never had the resources or the right person to go with. And now I have both. So I'm making it happen. As I record this, I'm driving past the studio that I record at um, when I do my music. I've now met members of um, August Burns Red, Galactic Empire, This or the Apocalypse, Era, Ascent Like Wolves, um, and some others like um, Behold the Creator, I think, is one of the bands, and Space Weather is another band. And they're all bands that recorded Brock Lidditz, and we all share the same live room, because Atrium Audio shares a live room with Thornwall Studios, which is who I record with. And it's, it's really neat, you know, getting to meet these musicians that I've grown up listening to, and, you know, getting to see that at the end of the day, they're, they're just dudes who like making music and, you know, are into the same kind of stuff that I am. They just, you know, my career is in therapy, their career is in entertainment. And, um, you know, in ways, we both sometimes wish for each one another. When I was in the studio recently recording my next album, The Garden, which will be coming out in a couple of weeks, hopefully, by the end of summer... 
several of them saw that I was wearing my medical scrubs and they asked me, you know, what do you do when you're not a musician? And I told them I'm an occupational therapist, explained what we do exactly. And a few of them said, that's really admirable. I wish I could have done something like that. So, you know, the, the respect is mutual, just like I wish that maybe I could have been a musician sooner, but there's no time like the present, which is why I create as much media as I can and publish it for the world. Um, I've since slowed down just because work life has taken over everything else and trying to learn jujitsu and teach judo on the side. Uh, those are other updates. I am now progressing quickly through the ranks of uh, Budoshin Jujitsu. I have resumed my studies of Aikido privately and will eventually go to a dojo for that. And uh, I am also learning the material for my next promotion in judo. I am now a brown belt and I am a coach. So that has been very rewarding and that's coming up very quickly as well. And I just love being able to learn and teach and give back. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and then on the more nerdy side of things, like I talked a little bit about role-playing games in a previous episode. Well, I am back to playing RuneScape, I think. Uh, you can find me in-game as Greyhara if you guys play. Looking forward to chatting with you and getting your feedback and thoughts. And, uh, yeah, I've been playing pretty consistently for the past month and a half at the time of recording this. And, um grinded out a lot of skills and quests, and I'm just enjoying the nostalgia trip of doing the things now that I couldn't do back when I was a teenager and playing because I just didn't have the focus for it, and because, you know, so many other things were busy, but, like, self-care for me is making sure I make time to play some games, and I bought my girlfriend, who is coming with me to Acadia and back, um, I bought her Minecraft, and... She's been playing a lot of that on the PlayStation. So while she's been on the PlayStation, I've been on the PC or on RuneScape Mobile playing. So I guess it works out in its own respective way. But, you know, it's nice because there's a lot of things you can do in the world that are idle, which, you know, you can set it to the side while you do something else. And you have to pay very minimal attention to those certain things. Of course, more skills are more intensive than others, but I digress. I like this world because there's a little something for everybody. And that is what leads me to today's topic of cultural diversity and inclusivity. Because there's a little slice of the pie that does or does not apply to everybody. So, what does it mean to live in a diverse world? Well, even where I grew up, my culture, I'd say, is probably one of the minorities. You see... I grew up in a very modern neighborhood. Our cultural beliefs and mindsets and values very different from the Amish, who live maybe 20, 30 minutes from me. Very different from uh, even the older generations that came before us. Very different from the more or the less religious people around us. So, what my culture means to me is you know, I grew up in a very religious culture. I grew up where family and children were put above all else, above all others. Alongside this came the understanding that you were always going to do better for your elders and your children 
than yourself. So a big stress was always put on the sandwich generation between the two to always be good caregivers. Uh, we value our very hearty food. Pennsylvania food is very carb and salt heavy. So a lot of food inspired directly by the Pennsylvania Dutch. There are things in our culture that don't make sense to others. Like we'll say words like, you just got to rush forward in your seat a little bit, which means you need to scoot or move forward. Uh, Cutson is you know, chundering or having a weighty or throwing up. Um, quit putzing around means don't stall, like stop wasting time and those sort of things. Uh, and then we have some aphorisms and sayings that don't translate even to our neighbors in New York, New Jersey, and Maryland. Like when we say something's all, that means that it's all gone. There's no more of it. It's all. And that's something that's pretty unique to us. In my culture in Pennsylvania, we say, throw me down the paper towels a while, which would, to the rest of the world, translate to, can you please go to the staircase and pass me some paper towels in the meantime? A while means in the meantime, basically. So, you want to sit over here a while? It means, do you want to sit over here in the meantime? And pass me up or throw me down or something like that means literally what it sounds, what it, what it says. And it's, it's kind of hard to explain. And so, realizing that it's hard to explain these things, I, I just want everyone to take a minute to conceptualize these very things and like how it may present as difficult for some cultures to explain themselves to others and the way that they do things, the way they see the world. Because everyone is very, very unique, there are no two ways to slice the pie. This and more are just a few brief glimpses of my culture that I grew up with and what it means to me. But that means something very different to my friends who were first-generation uh, Cameroonian immigrants. That means something very different to my friends who were second-generation Puerto Rican immigrants. It means something very different to my friends who can trace their birth certificate ancestrally back to a closet on a cotton farm where they no longer had access to their history because the slave owners kept those certifications as historical proof instead of giving them back to the African families that they were unrightfully stolen from. And it means something very different yet to my best friend in the whole wide world, who is Italian. It means something very different, culture does, to my close friends who are Japanese. What we have to bear in mind when we're talking to anybody, let alone somebody who quite simply does not seem to be of our kind, is... What is the most important thing to them as an individual? And what is the most important thing to them socially as a society? Because when you look at a lot of Eastern culture, it's very collectivist. There's a bigger emphasis on what's good for the people is good for me. What's good for the group is good for all of us. So therefore, it's best for me. In Western culture, it's more of the opposite. It's more focused on what's in it for me and everybody else kind of comes later. America, for example, we value our cookouts, we value our freedom, we value our liberty, we value the capitalist structure of society in some way or shape or form. We value the fact that input equals 
output more often than not. Whereas something most important to an Asian family might be that their family is always together, that they have all of their family close to each other, that they can keep in touch with them very often. It might mean saying your prayers before and after dinner. It might mean bowing to each other in respect. It might be a formal greeting. It might be a formal handshake. It might be a formal event that they do. For instance, I cannot tell you the last time that I have entered a house that belonged to somebody of Asian descent and I did not take my shoes off. It is just a sign of respect for the homeowner that you remove your shoes at the door. And personally, it's a practice I follow as well because, quite frankly, it's more hygienic. Anyhow, all the germs and dirt that you track into the house. But there are certain cultures that might believe that you're carrying the pollution of the world into the house on your shoes, and you don't want to do that. You don't want to upset that ebb and flow. In Tibetan culture, the cranium is very sacred. So you would never touch somebody's head unless you were their spouse or you were their priest or monk. It just wouldn't happen. If you look at Hispanic culture, there is a huge emphasis on togetherness. There is a huge emphasis on family get-togethers and cookouts. There is a huge emphasis on a very traditional approach to religious culture. For instance, I cannot tell you the last time I've met somebody, especially a young woman, who was Hispanic, and they did not have a quinceanera, which is their version of American Sweet Sixteen. Albeit, I would say, a quinceanera is a little bit more formal. It's where they recognize that a young woman becomes a young woman, and she enters adulthood. In Jewish culture, it might be very similar to a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. This is the passing over, the coming of age. And other coming of age ceremonies are just as relevant and just as prevalent in so many cultures. They might be a very soft transition. They might be a very hard transition. But what can we do when we don't understand the person sitting across from us and their culture and where they come from? Maybe we should do the same thing that I'm doing with you right now and just have an open, honest conversation. For instance, I have a patient right now who is Indian, and it meant the world to him when I learned a Vedic hymn and helped him sing it. He couldn't speak much, but when he did, he loved things from the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the religious scriptures of Hinduism and Hare Krishna. I have a Cambodian patient, and bowing my head and folding my hands is called a sampaya to them. It's namaste. It's a formal greeting in India, but it's very important to them, and they very much enjoyed having me back because I took the time to learn that little extra bit about them. All I did was have the curiosity to ask the questions of what was important to them, what mattered most to them, and what was going to be the most beneficial for me to learn about them so that I could provide better service to them. And you don't have to be a medical professional or somebody working. You just have to be a person in general. For instance, maybe you're overseas in France. Well, you need to understand that in French culture, it might be very rude to salt your food. It might be very insulting to the chef to adorn with any condiments that were not provided or to even ask. 
Likewise, in Germany, one of their cultural norms is punctuality and not jaywalking across the street. You will get nasty looks. You might even get told off and sworn at if you are late to something or if you cross the street before a light indicates that you are able to do so. If you look at Spanish culture, it is most important to them that the middle of the day is used for rest and reflection and meditation. Same goes with some Buddhist cultures. You need to have that active time to meditate at least once a day. How do I know all of this? Well, I realized more and more, the older I got, that white Western America was not the only thing. I went to Europe at a young age, and when I was there, I was on my phone constantly learning about the people. What things can I do? What can I not do? In certain parts of the world, certain places of the world, waving somebody down is seen as a rude gesture, like flipping the finger to somebody here in America. Likewise, in certain parts of the Middle East, it would be very disrespectful to bow at somebody, whereas it is common practice in most of Asia. I learned very quickly that the only time you turn down a cup of tea when you're in Britain is if you are literally inconsolable and should probably seek medical attention or a therapist. It is so important to them that you drink a cup of tea with them when they offer it to you. Likewise, in Moroccan culture, it is a gesture of hospitality when they make tea for you. It is a gesture of hostility to refuse the tea. All of these things were born and bred from curiosity in my mind. And I believe that if we start talking about this more and more, we will see a better world. All it takes is curiosity to understand without judgment and to only judge after you understand and to judge somebody not based on what you don't understand, but what you do understand and what truth you have found for yourself between the two. So, that being said, when I go up to New England, there will be a lot of words spoken by a lot of people that I'm not quite familiar with because of how they're pronounced. I live in the same country as them, but they have a much thicker, more British-sounding accent than I could ever imagine compared to what I use when I speak, when I talk to you. There will be some cultural barriers because the various things that they do, that they value, may be very different to the various things that I do, that I value. And that's okay. That's just part of it. That's just part of the game of life and learning and understanding and growing as a person. So I meet it with joy every single day. Anytime I meet somebody who comes from a different walk of life, instead of judging and turning my head, my first response is to say, what can I do today to better my interaction with them the next time I see them? I think if we get more involvement with remembering this side of us that is deeply entrusted in humanity, we will truly one day see a better, more accepting, more vibrant world. I know we can do it. I know we can get there. And we'll get there soon enough if we try. So that being said, I leave it at that. I'm very much excited to my trip and looking forward to my trip 
I cannot wait to see Maine and New England for the first time in my entire life. Yes, that's right. I've been all over the world, but I have not seen all of this coast on which I grew up. Shame on me, I suppose. But better late than never and no time like the present. So to this I add my beautiful silence. And I will catch you on my way to Maine.